the American School Counselor Association, this is I Hear You Say, a podcast for leaders in education and those in the school counseling profession. I'm Jen Walsh, Director of Education and Training here at ASCA. Today, we talk about the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why, based on the 2007 novel by Jay Asher. It's tough to find anyone in the education field who hasn't watched or at least heard about 13 Reasons Why, and with the release of Season 2, we feel it's appropriate to revisit the show and actually hear from the creator himself, Brian Yorkie, who will be joining us later on. Nationwide, the show generated a lot of discussion in households, hallways, and school counseling offices. The show touched on a lot of difficult topics such as bullying, sexual assault, suicide, grief, relationship violence, and mental health, just to name a few. Because of the profound impact of Season 1, Netflix has done a lot of great work to provide resources and information to the public around these difficult topics, to which we're very grateful. I'd like to highlight a bit of that work before we begin our conversation with Brian. They first commissioned a study done by Northwestern University's Center on Media and Children to get feedback from teens and parents on the impact that media can have on inducing conversations surrounding difficult topics. Some key data points that I found most enlightening were that most of the teen viewers responded that watching the series helped them better understand things such as bullying, depression, suicide, and sexual assault. Teens found the show relatable to their own experience, and 80% of teen viewers responded that the show helped them understand that their actions can have an impact on others. More than half of those who responded that way said that they reached out to others to apologize for something that they'd done in the past that was hurtful. As a result of the show, teens were motivated to help someone who was experiencing some of these difficult topics, and 56% of parents said that the show made it easier to have conversations on difficult topics presented in the show. I think this information reveals that while the show addresses difficult topics that are definitely tough to talk about, it really provides an opportunity to have those conversations and hopefully promote a healthier school climate and ultimately a better community as a whole. On 13reasonswhy.info, you can find a wealth of resources provided by Netflix, such as the Crisis Text Line and the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Another resource on that page that I'd like to highlight is the Discussion Guide. This document provides tips for watching Season 1, which I have a feeling many of you will be doing either for the first time or re-watching before watching Season 2. What I like most about this document is the starting the conversation piece, which provides open-ended questions for school staff and families. Questions such as, do you think the characters in the show are behaving in ways that are similar to people you know? How so, or how are they different? How does what you have seen in the show change how you view some things that have happened in real life? And do you think the adults did anything wrong? What could they have done better? And one of my favorites, what is amplified for dramatic effect? So I encourage you to take a look at these resources and put them to use as you're watching season one and two. And now what we've all been waiting for, we welcome Brian Yorkie, 13 Reasons Why creator, to talk about his inspiration for 13 Reasons Why. Well, you know, I first came across 13 Reasons Why as a book, actually years before it ever entered my professional life. My niece and I, she was, uh, I think, 12 or 13 at the time, um, we had a sort of informal 
book club. I loved reading uh, YA books and she would always have great recommendations for me. I remember we read the Harry Potter books together and we read Divergent and Hunger Games and those trilogies together. And she recommended uh, 13 Reasons Why. She asked me, she said, Uncle Brian, have you ever read this book, 13 Reasons Why? And I said, no, I've never heard of it. And she said, well, you should read it. It's a very important book. And I said, okay. And of course, I was a little, you know, a little bit dubious, even at her sort of, you know, 12-year-old, 13-year-old recommendation. But I read it and, and found it really sort of profoundly moving and incredibly thought-provoking. So that when a couple years later it, it came up as a, a possibility to adapt, I, I felt that there could be a, a very powerful television series made from the book. Three words to describe my experience working on 13 Reasons Why. I think one of them would have to be emotional, commitment, and challenging. Emotional is the first word that came to mind because I think it's been an incredibly emotional experience for so many of us who work on the show. We labored so hard to tell the story as truthfully as we could. The writers, the actors, the directors, the producers, really everybody on the crew wanted to to get it right. And uh, for a story like this one, that meant going to some pretty challenging emotional places. And also, I think, being very emotionally honest with each other about our feelings, not only about the story, but about the challenges in making the, the television show. So it's been, um, I think, you know, a really profoundly emotional experience for all of us. And one that I think has really kind of, you know, not only deepened our appreciation for each other, but also really given us an even keener appreciation for the emotional experiences of, of people who go through things like these characters go through. I think I say commitment as the second word because we had to be incredibly committed to telling the story honestly, to really holding ourselves to a high standard as far as not only the story we were telling and the way we were telling it, but understanding the reasons why we were telling it and the impact we we hoped it would have on our audience. And I think that throughout the entire experience, the writing, the production, the editing, we all would remind ourselves of how important the work was and the potential we had for really speaking in some truthful way to, to young people and to their experience. And I think that leads right into the third word, challenging, because, you know, it's not an easy set of topics that we dealt with. What the characters go through is certainly not a lighthearted journey in a lot of ways. There's some very important, truly life or death topics being uh, addressed by this story. But we also knew that if we would accept that challenge and really sort of try to convey these things unflinchingly, that would be our best chance to honor the experience of kids uh, and families who go through these things every day. It's important, I think, for us to remember that we made a work of fiction and that in trying to tell the story as truthfully as we could, we hoped not only to honor the experience of people who go through these things and also to open up the conversations among people who are struggling with these things in their real lives. The show largely takes place in a high school, so you're obviously seeing the hard topics of suicide and sexual assault, but you're also seeing other topics that often come up in a school setting on a daily basis, like cliques, bullying, peer pressure, and gossip, as well as educator ethical issues. And I think it's important to note that as well. 
But given all of this, I know that the show had a profound impact on us here at ASCA and school counselors worldwide. And we heard this from other educational associations and organizations that we work with frequently. Did you expect 13 Reasons Why to have such a profound impact on the education community? I would have to say I was surprised that the show had the impact it did in schools across the country. And I think that that goes with my surprise in general at how far-reaching the show ended up being. I think when we were making the show, we all felt very strongly about it. We were all moved by the story we were telling and the way we were telling it. But I do think we all felt well, there's an awful lot of television out there and an awful lot of choices and things for especially young people to watch. So our hope had always been that a small number of viewers would be very enthusiastic about the show. We felt there would be some group of viewers who would really respond and it would be an important thing in their lives. And that was going to be enough for us. And I think what ended up happening is many, many people, kids and adults watched it and it evoked obviously some strong feelings and uh, strong opinions on all sides. And I think that especially the way it impacted schools, the way it impacted kids, and also, you know, especially um, educators was surprising, I think, surely because we hadn't thought the show would have that kind of impact. After knowing that it did have that kind of impact, it certainly made sense to us that schools and educators were having to grapple with in what ways to interact with with students about their watching of the show and about the issues that the show presented. And I do think that something that was really sort of inspiring was seeing how many educators really, uh, certainly across America, but also I've learned around the world, took the opportunities the show presented to open up conversations about some things that can be difficult to talk about. And I think that you know, where that has happened and also where, you know, educators have been frank with each other and also with kids about what is and isn't represented in the show, what characters make good choices and what characters don't make good choices. I think those are all really um, beneficial conversations to have. And so it's really encouraging that they're happening. And I think that, you know, many educators responded, you know, in the spirit in which the show was intended, which was a very strong and vivid fictional portrayal of some young characters and the issues that they grapple with that, you know, was hopeful of starting conversations in the real world among adults and kids about those issues. One thing I learned from the 13 Reasons Why experience is that there is a real benefit to conversation amongst people who feel strongly on all sides of an issue. I think in my earlier life as a writer and as a a maker of dramatic things, it had always been my hope to be universally adored and agreed with. And I think that that never actually happened, just for the record. But I think that, you know, in past lives, on past projects, people feeling very strongly opposed to creative choices I'd made or stories I had chosen to be part of telling or the way that I told them would have been uh, something that I would have hoped to avoid. And in 13 Reasons Why, and especially in the many, many conversations and powerful conversations and vehement conversations that followed, I learned that there actually is great benefit in making something that causes strong feelings on all sides, because it really is that conversation, even when it gets intense and even when it gets uncomfortable, that conversation, which leads to further understanding on all sides, and which leads to really sort of grappling in a very deep and profound way with difficult issues. And I do think that conversation always beats silence. 
And talking about things is always better than not talking about them. And that's definitely given me, I think, a new approach to the work I do and the way it's received. You touched on conversations quite a bit, and I really appreciate that. As school counselors, we know the importance of conversation, but not all conversations are easy to have or to get started. I think one thing that I appreciated from the show is that it really provided an impetus for us to start having these conversations with school staff and parents and students if we weren't already having them. It also provided context and teachable moments for having these tough conversations, which was really helpful. And I think that those conversations can then provide the momentum to ensure that these issues are being appropriately addressed in the school's comprehensive school counseling program, in the district-wide suicide prevention and crisis response programs. So it's the conversations that then lead to action that I think was such a great outcome of the show. You know, I've always tended to be someone who tried to tell stories truthfully, even if that meant going to places that wouldn't necessarily be comfortable for all audience members or that might be challenging. That's always been the kind of storyteller I've tried to be. What I think I learned in 13 Reasons Why specifically is that when you do tell stories that are truthful and that go to challenging places, you have to learn to embrace all of the conversation that follows. It doesn't do anybody any good if there's a monolith of opinion. It doesn't do anybody any good if everybody agrees on something. That doesn't really further us. What moves us forward is when people have respectable and respectful disagreements on important issues, because the conversation that follows, that's what truly can move understanding forward. As long as there's conversation, as long as people are exchanging ideas and listening to each other, I think that, you know, real understanding and real change is possible. And I think I learned that in a much more profound way working on 13 Reasons. You mentioned something that I think is really important to touch on here, and that is the importance of listening and hearing what the individual is saying. When we start having conversations on these tough topics, as educators, we need to be prepared for what we may hear. And we need to be prepared to listen without judgment and respond appropriately and ethically to potentially and truly life or death situations. Yeah. And I will say one of the things that's been so interesting about the experience is that I had never been so involved in a piece of fiction that had had the kind of truly global impact that this show has had. And I think that that's a confluence of many things, but I think the most sort of significant part of that is that it's a very, very vivid story about issues that are very, very prevalent and important to young people today. And I think the confluence of those two things led to conversation in a way that maybe without this fictional vehicle, without this bingeable television series about these really sort of interesting, compelling, sometimes maddening teenagers, those conversations might not have gotten started in the same way. So I do think that it was a real learning experience in a great way for all of us in the uh, the power of storytelling and the power of storytelling to really have an impact on the conversations we have about our lives. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll hear from Brian about what we can expect from season two. Season two for us, there were a few strands of thematic strands, but also story strands that were incredibly important for us to explore. One of the first ones is recovery. 
um, certainly in the in the person of Jessica, who is just beginning the process of recovery from her sexual assault, but also Clay, who is uh, also just in the early, early days of grieving Hannah, the loss of, of a girl he loved, uh, and really all of these characters who've been through some very traumatic things and struggling with some very painful issues in their lives. We wanted to look at the ways recovery moves forward, the ways uh, kids can learn to better take care of themselves and better take care of each other. And, and also sort of really uh, try to understand the ways in which recovery isn't a straight line. It's not always forward progress, but forward progress is possible and that we can heal from even the most devastating of, of events. We also are really interested in justice. You know, the question of whether there's justice for Hannah, uh, whether there's justice for Jessica, whether there will be justice brought to Bryce for the things he's done, and whether it's possible to find justice in an unjust world and just exactly what that means. We were very interested in exploring that. I felt it would be also very interesting for our young viewers to debate the issue of justice and what justice would truly look like. And at the end of the season, at the end of season two, whether in fact justice was done or not. Uh, and I hope that those conversations keep going. Um, and I think that, you know, a third sort of central question or central theme of the season is the move from isolation to community. We really felt that in so many ways at the end of season one, so many of these kids were isolated and felt alone in their own experience. Or if there was a community formed, it was a community of self-defense. We wanted to see if there was a way for these kids to learn to as I said before, take better care of each other, to learn to be supportive of each other in a community rather than a bunch of uh, isolated actors. So I think the way these themes play out is really interesting. Obviously, it's our show, so none of them are unambiguously positive. There are always some setbacks. There are always dark moments. And we continue to look at, I think, some really challenging issues. But I also think that season two, we begin to see some light in Evergreen County, which um, I think we all found really satisfying. I'm really glad to hear that grief will be addressed. I know that I saw grief manifesting itself in the different characters in a lot of different ways, which is true to form for grief. So I'm excited for the conversations and the teachable moments surrounding that topic that we'll see and that will hopefully be able to allow us to better support students facing grief and loss and all of the feelings that come along with that. Yeah, and I will say, you know, certainly I think the way that we tell the story of Clay's grieving and his process moving through the grief. I think it will not be necessarily without its controversy, because certainly we made a number of dramatic choices, which I think, you know, some clinicians might have rather we made slightly differently. But I think the end result of what we've done dramatically is tell a really kind of difficult and profound story of a young man who is not very in touch with his feelings, really working through the process of his grief and also his not only his sense of loss, but his sense of anger at Hannah for what she did and really kind of coming through all of those very complicated emotions to the other side where he can begin to move on. Again, not to forget her because he's never going to forget her, but to say, I, I love you and I let you go and I am for moving forward with my life. And I think that, you know, speaking as a 40-something man who still hasn't completely figured out the grieving process, I think that uh, it's a story worth telling and worth all of us talking about. And now for our quick tip segment, do you have a quick tip for watching season two? 
I would say a quick tip for watching 13 Reasons Why is don't watch it alone. Watch it with uh, friends. Watch it with friends of another generation. If you're an adult, maybe watch it with a kid. If you're a kid, watch it with your friends, but maybe also um, drag your parents into the room and watch it together because it's meant to be talked about. It's meant for people to have strong feelings about. And above all, it's meant for people to use as reflections on the lives that they lead and, and conversation starters about the things that they're grappling with every day. We always like to end the show with something positive by reflecting on what gives you hope or what inspires you or motivates you. What gives me hope is I see young people in very prominent ways and also in less prominent ways, stepping up and saying that they want their world to change and that they are not going to necessarily accept received wisdom or received mandates from those of us in the older generations, but that they are going to figure out for themselves what is right and what should be, and that they're going to speak up for it and fight for it. And that, I think, more than anything, gives me hope that when I you know, shuffle off this mortal coil of my own, that there will be the opportunity for things to get better. And at a time when it seems like often day to day, things are just getting worse. You hear the voices of young people insisting that there's a way to make them better. And uh, that gives me hope every day. And also, I think motivates me to continue to, to try to tell this particular story about some fictional young people as well. And as honestly as I can and taking on the most important things we can take on. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for joining us today. I think I can speak for most when I say I'm looking forward to watching season two and seeing what's to come with the characters and the themes covered. I hope it leads to further conversations, debate, and action like we've talked about today. I did want to make sure that everyone is aware of where to find Aska's resources on 13 Reasons Why. You can find those in the show notes from today's episode on Aska On Air, and it's also currently linked on our homepage. Also a reminder to check out the valuable resources provided by Netflix at 13reasonswhy.info. Thanks for tuning in. 